You like spy movies, Mr. DeVere? Nowadays, they're all a little serious for my taste. The old ones. <laughs> Marvelous. Give me a far-fetched theatrical plot any day. <laughs> the old Bond movies. Oh, man. Oh, when I was a kid, that was my dream job. Gentleman spy. I always felt the old Bond films were only as good as the villain. As a child, I rather fancied a future as a colorful megalomaniac. Welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. Heck yeah! I'm your host, David Luzader, and with me, of course, because I can't escape him, is... Nick Shermooksness, and I'm unescapable. It's true. The unescapable Nick Shermooksness would be your Marvel comic name. It'd be a good one. It would probably be okay. <laughs> He's the creepy guy that stalks all the superheroes that want nothing to do with them. Uh, have I ever told you about my idea for, like, a Superman villain? Uh, no. Well, like, it would be, like, he wouldn't, you know, he, he doesn't have the physical match, but he would, like, break into Superman's apartment and rearrange everything. So, like, he comes in at the end of the day, and he's, like, really tired from crime fighting, really stressed out, and he goes to, like, get a glass to get some water, and there's no glasses in the cabinets. Or it's, like, in the morning, he's trying to, like, find a spoon so we can eat some cereal, but, like, the spoon and the junk drawer have been switched. It's just, you know, stuff to mess with them on a very mental level rather than physical. It's a very mental way to mess with Superman. Do you think it would be enough to take him down, drive I mean, him towards the dark side? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if this guy's necessarily really evil or if he's just more of a dick. A, a prankster, the trickster. Yeah. Well, oh, oh man, that's already been taken. <laughs> Curses. Oh, whatever. Whatever. Um, comic books. Comic books. That's a thing. That's we a. You know, before have read we, them in the past. Before we talk about comics, though, which we do have lots of comics to talk about. Let's talk about Kingsman, because we haven't talked about it yet. That's true. What would you think? Okay, yeah. Um, I liked it a lot. I thought it was really good. Um, of course, like it does have its flaws, and I do want to talk about its flaws a bit. Um, I don't necessarily want to dive right into them, so I'll just say like stuff that I did like. I really thought that the actors they cast were really great. I thought that uh, Michael Caine, um, Samuel Jackson, Colin Firth, Mark Strong... Everybody was just really well cast. It was really well rounded. Um, nobody really felt too much like they were like stealing the spotlight away. You know, like they were like like oh, when Mark Strong entered the scene, he was suddenly like domineering everything. It's just it was very well balanced, and everyone played mm -hmm. off each other really well. Very professional acting. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, one scene that absolutely has to be talked about is the church scene because I think the church scene. Uh, is probably one of the best action sequences I have seen in a very long time, and I think really sort of sets a higher bar for um, for action scenes for, in the future. For action scenes in the future, absolutely. Uh, what, and, and it was with Colin Firth of all people. I know, and apparently, uh, rumors are that he did most of his own stunts, and that that scene was shot all in one take. I mean, you, when you, you kind of see it with the camera, there's I don't think there was really there's any really moments no... where the camera cut away that you could have pieced it together. Like, it but, seemed all very continuous. Mm -hmm. There are and, parts where it cut away because it was, you know, cutting to somebody reacting to watching him. But when it went right back, it was on that same path that it was going on. It's not like the camera true. was something across the That would be a very hard thing to kind of reset up, you know, perfectly. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, but, man, 
I I when it started, like I wasn't anticipating it, and then like once I kind of realized what was going on, I was like, like just I was like, and I was in this theater where like the seats like you, you get like reclining like foot resting seats. I mean, like it's, it was like a, a Wally, you know, those chairs in Wally. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, I start watching this scene. I'm like, holy crap! And I just I just like start curling up in a ball, like cringing every single time <laughs> someone gets stabbed or jabbed or shot. It, it it was intense in a weirdly magnificent way. Yeah, no, it was I was just so impressed with it. Mm -hmm. Um all to the all to the guitar solo from Freebird. Uh yeah, like I I don't know, that that was definitely definitely like the rest of the movie could have been like bad, but if that scene like if that scene alone was in it, I would have been like, Oh man, like that's all I would want to talk about was that scene. It's it's definitely like, what it would, would be known for. Yeah, it would elevate uh, above it. all else. Mm -hmm. And uh, probably the ending. The very end. The very, very end. Yeah, which I'm gonna talk about that also <laughs> in a little bit. Um I'm trying to think like I mean there's you know, there was a lot of a lot of really fun stuff. It was very well shot. Matthew Vaughn, you know, is a great director. He does I think he does action sequences really well. Um, this is supposed to be like the beginning of a franchise. Is it? Mm-hmm. And the whole idea is, you know, and like the whole, the whole reason Millar even, even did this, because it's all based on the Secret Service. The whole reason he did this is because he's, you know, he thinks Bond films have gotten too serious. And he's like, let's, you know, let's do something that was, you know, like the old classic Bond where there were like jokes and things were fun and yada, yada, yada. And I think in that way, it did succeed. Uh, it did get a bit meta at times. About like the this isn't that kind yeah, of this film. isn't that kind of movie, so, which like yeah. which was okay because they you know they only did that kind of thing like twice. Um, I did think some of the product placement was a little egregious. Uh, I mean the McDonald's thing most notable, but when Colin Firth in like one of the first scenes is like, oh yes, I'll leave after I finish this lovely pint of Guinness. It's like that what? Like why did you have to announce the beer? You could have just said like, oh after I finish this lovely pint. I don't know, that just, like, really stood out to me, is I wonder who paid for this scene. Right. Yeah, it's hard to, uh, with product placement, you need the advertisement, mm -hmm. you know, for the budget, but sometimes, I, to be honest, I, the McDonald's thing notwithstanding, I didn't really, like, it didn't necessarily phase me when he was talking about Guinness or, or mm -hmm. anything else they may have mentioned in the movie. Even the McDonald's thing, I, if anything, I just assumed was a, was making fun of it more than anything. It, it really fit in with the Samuel Jackson character. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, it was. It was. I I thought it was perfect. So I I wasn't just like man. It's not like like the Transformers movie where it's just like oh a Mountain Dew machine just turned into a Transformer. Every phone is Nokia. You know. Yeah. Or, uh, on Arrow, like everyone has a Windows laptop. No one. No, uses they've really different. they've really like cut back on that with this newest season. I'm really they did. Happy. You don't you don't notice it a lot. Um. Probably because they were able to afford like to make their own little computer-looking programs on like Felicity screens, so yeah. it wasn't like she was just using uh, anyway. Windows Eight. Uh, Kingsman was what, like you said, it's it's not perfect, but I feel like or we're saying it's not perfect in a sense where it's like we feel like we have to point out the flaws because I mean not that because they were there, but it was a movie that rose above any issues it had to just be to just say okay, let it go. And let's just enjoy it. And I think I think for a lot of people, it rose past expectations as well. I, I think a lot of people went in not really knowing what to make of it. And I think it's a film where I guess it's it's doing well mm -hmm. in this first weekend. I think it's going to go make even more 
in the next two or you know two or three weekends as as word of mouth spreads that it that it's a good film to check out. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, continue. Go ahead. Um, I would say full disclosure, absolute spoilers. Yeah, I think you know what I'm about to mention. Um, I and I, I'd say this is a slight downhill slope. I think that the movie lost something when Colin Firth was killed. A little bit of something. If only because, like, it was hard to top the church sequence. Mm-hmm. But, and the, the, the climax was was entertaining, like the fight scene with the, um, oh, crap, what's her name? G- Gazelle mm-hmm. um, was, was really cool. Um, like, the bouncing around inside the caverns and all that. Like, the Ty Egerton, like, you know, really rose to the challenge for being such an unknown quantity, like really showed that he had a certain depth and range and, and it was just having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the climax was still good. And I understood from a story perspective. Well, really, you know, really you could argue that the church scene is the climax in the film. And I absolutely, I would. And I, I, the movie just stopped after that. Um, continue, continue. Um, but it, I, I understood from a story perspective that it was sort of like, you know, Ty Egerton's uh, Eggsy, had you know basically had to step Taren, up in the Taren, wake of his mentor's demise. Taryn Egerton. And Egerton. Oh. Taryn Egerton. Or Aaron? I thought it was Ty. No, Taryn. T A R. Taryn. Oh, Taryn. Sorry, he probably goes by Ty in my defense. Okay. Um. Uh. You know, he had to step up into that role, and and he he it wouldn't have had the same impact if you know you're watching someone who clearly has less experience than Colin Firth, mm-hmm. trying to you know stop the world from being destroyed. So there was, you know, if you if you had sent Colin Firth in there, it would have been like, okay, he's totally, you know, he's gonna win. Like, there's no question about it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's so capable. But with with Taron Egerton, um, you know, there's always that question of like, well, okay, he's a fairly fresh recruit. Like, yes, he's doing all this cool stuff, but there's the risk of him failing. Now, see, here's here's kind of one of the major flaws of the film for me is they did a whole lot of telling and not a lot of showing, and that's a number one, you know, storytelling rule is. Uh, you know, show, don't tell. And this was a, a movie that kind of ignored his training largely, which bothered yeah. me. That really bothered me. I agree. But I it, agree. But they told you a lot that it was going really well. Yeah. And it's like, okay, how am I supposed to, like, I, they're like, oh, you're doing really well in weapons. Okay, you can show me, like, a, a two-minute montage of him doing some basic training. Like, they, you know, they showed you, like, the, uh, the Halo jump sequence. Um, they showed you... Like, it would just occasionally cut to it for a short minute, then go back off to this other storyline. Yeah. You know, in the beginning, the movie was very focused. In the end, it was very focused. In the middle, its attentions were divided. And I thought that, obviously, this, this, you know, this Valentine storyline was very important, and that was the core plot of the film. But we could have taken more time. If, If this kid is supposed to be so important, and he's supposed to possibly carry an entire franchise of films... Like, we could have spent a little more time on him and showing, you know, how he's... Because he didn't do any real, like, fighting or weapon stuff, like, until the very end of the movie. Yeah, Which you, I get, there's they, a scene where, you see, like, he shoots a bottle off the top of the girl's head. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they obviously cut to... They, they show basically, like, the six major tests that they have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but they could have but, worked in some of the lesser stuff, just, like, even in passing. Even, like, while uh, Colin Firth... You know, like, that whole scene where Colin Firth is in a coma... Um, they could have, you know, I felt like, the, you know, they could have cut between, like, him there in the coma and, like, them, like, trying to deal with stuff and figure it out. And, like, in the meantime, he's doing his training. 
I don't know. And the Colin Firth and the coma th- thing was, it was a weird bit because in, in a sense, when they actually end up killing him, it's, you know, there's a final, there, it's, it's like the same thing. Like he was put in a coma and it took him off the board. So mm-hmm. things could transpire without his involvement. And then you kill but, him but before then, the but... climax. And it's like, it raises the stakes because you don't have someone as capable as him leading the charge. Well, okay, you have him in the coma, taking him off the board, and then two scenes later, he's out of the coma. It's you know, and neither. Are you... Oh, it's not. It's not long. It just seems like. Well, but I'm just saying, like, what was the point of the coma? Exactly. Yeah, he. It, it didn't feel like anything. I mean, in a sense, you can you can just infer that things transpired that if he had not been in a coma, mm-hmm. that maybe he it would have prevent certain things but unfortunately it didn't really show you that things were going on that he could have prevented mm-hmm. you know, that he would have been in a position of to stop mm-hmm. be it beyond just continuing the investigation um now i think i think we should have probably said this at the beginning neither you or i have read uh the secret service i have but... read the first two issues okay no three no so, so... i just read two of them last night mm-hmm. okay yeah i have not uh read any of it and i think that was kind of a benefit to me going into the into this movie and I think I hadn't really seen a lot of previews either because it allowed me to kind of absorb everything fresh and to not have any expectations. Mm-hmm. It's it's very hard to go into a movie these days without feeling like you already know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I even watched one trailer um you know probably like the latest one like a couple weeks ago and I and it showed like the whole thing with uh with Eggsy like running through the caverns and having like the suit and the glasses on. And it's like you kind of know that's coming. But I didn't really like want to see it. You know, I wanted that revelation to be fresh. Yeah. I feel like I cut you off earlier in the middle of a thought. Sorry. Colin Firth, coma, dying. Oh, cetera, cetera. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, I. It felt yeah. The, the coma just felt egregious because it, it. I feel like the art. So you took him off the board for the end of the movie, and then prior to that, you took him off the board again, like. In a lot of ways, Comfort ended up being the big draw to this movie. Like, Comfort's an action film, and he nailed it. Oh, absolutely, he did. Literally, occasionally, he would nail people in the movie. Um, like, with nails, if not stakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just felt we could have gone without the coma scene. Like, it just felt it just felt unnecessary. Um, it didn't necessarily raise the stakes in any way. No, it didn't add maybe anything it, to the film. Maybe it motivated uh, Eggsy a little bit. But it, it, like you said, it, the movie tells you a lot, but doesn't show you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did feel like his training was very truncated. Um, Which I understand they're trying to tell a loud story, but even like a, a two, a couple minute montage of him doing like this, like, of you know, him doing hand to hand combat training, him, you know, on a gun range. And I think it, 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 it comes to, it, it felt like it was hard to place the movement of time in the film. It really you know, was. What like was it, what was the, the timetable for um, Valentine's you know whole operation like from mm-hmm. beginning to end, or, or at least from the start of the movie to the end of the movie? How much time had reasonably passed that you would believe that in this in this whole time that Eggsy had uh, received enough training to and be able to perform the we, way that he did at the end? Yeah, we know that he had like a certain level of training beforehand. You know, he well, had, yeah, he was like in the military briefly. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he he knew how to like navigate cars backwards through busy London streets. Yeah, he was he was a very clever, and that was probably one of the only things that they ever really like show you is that they show you that he is clever and he's intelligent, and that's great. But his physicality was, except for the fact that he has abs, and everybody in that room had abs. Oh my god, everyone in that room had abs. 
Uh, they they do show you the, a parkour sequence when he's running from his mom's boyfriend. That's true. He like jumps around like the whole neighborhood. I think it was more like, it was more the fighting was just something that we didn't know he could do, and that, that was something they told us a lot that he can do. Not even the gun stuff. You can kind of reason mm-hmm. like like I said, they did show a scene where he shot something off the girl's head. So. But that was but that was with like a sniper rifle, and she was slowly moving through the field like. Not to say that I'm like a guns expert, but I feel like with what you know, with with what I have done, that with I, guns. Well, I mean, I, you know, I've fired weapons before. I feel like that oh, was so like, that was like reasonable to assume that like anybody who was sitting there and she was a very slow moving target, and you had all the time in the world to line up a shot and pull the trigger, like oh yeah, could have done easier that. than what he was handling in the bunker or whatever. You yeah, when call he's it. running through and just like popping headshots left and right off of all these guys. Yeah, that. They could have showed. They should have showed more and fighting. Like they don't. They don't even show like a sparring scene with yeah. someone. Uh, they just show. They, they show them coming out of the helicopter. Like the things that they. They. But the only thing like the helicopter scene relates to the the the, to the new Lancelot. You know, because it showed that she struggled with heights, and then her her kind of final mission was to go up into the atmosphere to destroy the satellite. Mm-hmm. So that kind of played back to her, but it didn't necessarily illuminate anything for you for Exy other than. He doesn't think anyone trusts him because he's like a lowborn. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, and then you had you had the the dog test. You had the the room filling up with water, like things that showed certain aspects of character, but not um, physical prowess. Skill, not yeah, yet. Yeah. And I, I guess that's where the movie, you know, ultimately the the final sequence. Like you already knew Exy was going to be a good person in in the day, so it was never really a question about his character, just his competency and being able to get the job done. Mm-hmm. And he was clearly competent, and that wasn't clarified over the course of the film. Yeah, um, probably two more things I'd, I'd like to quickly talk about before we move on. One is uh, it was really great to have Mark Hamill's Joker make an appearance in this movie. <laughs> it was so funny. Yeah, his British accent is. I'm pretty in, sure. Uh, interesting, uh, just because I've only read the first two issues of the of this. I was hoping to get them all in, but then my brain decided I wanted to sleep. Um, what a jerk! Uh, significant changes already in the first two issues of the book compared I'm, to the I'm, movie. I'm, I'm sure. Like, I'm not surprised. Significant, which all. is funny, only because Matthew Vaughn is credited as a co-creator of the comic book as well. Is he really? Um, first off, his name's not Exy in the film. Like, like the, the whole his whole name is different. Um, uh, Galahad, they don't use any King Arthur references in the book. Oh, which is weird, it, that, was, that was one of my secret, favorite parts. They're not even part of like this this sort of um, isolated Secret Service agency. They are the Secret Service. They they they're basically like the just like regular old CIA type or British like British CIA, which I think is the Secret Service or MI6 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Galahad's name in the book is Jack London. Um, okay. What else? Um, like he, he it, at least in the first issues, he does go to a training. He is taken to a training school. Um, so, like some of the scenes happen fairly similar. Okay. Um, there isn't like a bar scene where where Jack London fights. No, actually, he does. He does fight, but not just his, not just uh, Eggsy's um, mom's uh, boyfriend's goons. So there, it's just interesting that they're like whenever Mark Miller comics get made into movies, it's like I feel like what makes them even better than the source material has nothing to do with Mark Miller. Like Mark Miller kind of lays out the blueprint mm-hmm. and then someone else comes in and kind of makes it even better. And that, and, and that, I don't want to knock Mark Miller in that way. Um, but it's like, I remember like reading kick-ass 
Mark Miller's books actually, if I had to make a, a major distinction, always seem much more dour mm-hmm. than than what ends up on the screen. Like Kingsman, for all its, for all its you know kind of edginess and and violence and all that, was trying to be almost an aspirational film mm-hmm. about overcoming your limitations. Yeah, you know, um, Kick Ass. The, the 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 movies were a lot. Um, more ho- much happier in a sense than than the book. I remember reading the first volume and like the, the fact that the uh, what was his name, big guy or big man, whatever Nicholas Cage's character's name was, big uh, daddy. Big daddy, yeah. You know, you, like in the movie, he actually is a cop. In in the the book, you think he's a cop, but he's not. He's just some random goon that was obsessed with comic books and then brainwashed a little girl into being a violent, you know. Vigilante. Well, and then they and then they go in the comics and they change it to be more like the movies, which bothered me heavily. I, I never read Kickass two or three. Yeah, Kickass so. two two and three, they changed it so that it's it's the Big Daddy storyline. It's the same as in the movie. So that they were lying in the first volume. You know, I guess. Oh, oh okay. Anyway, um, you can always rely on Mark Miller for an interesting time, but in this case, um, if you go see Kingsman. It's a, it's a, as long as you can stomach some of the, the violence, it's a fine better, time. better than Richard Valentine. And I, I, I thought like, yeah, it's a very violent film, but I appreciate them not focusing in on it and like, oh, look at, you know, he like just put this ax on this person's throat. Look at the ax on the throat. It's horrible. It was just like, yeah, it happened, but it was like really quick and it didn't like. The, the action fit the, 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 the context of the scene. Mm-hmm. It's not a scene where. Unless you're going to use, some, there was no bullet time in it, as far as I could tell. It was literally like you were you were right along with Colin Firth, you know, whether mm-hmm. whether he was when he was possessed or not possessed, like trying to hack his way to safety. There wasn't any time to kind of mm-hmm. and then zoom back. It was just no him 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 him, and I think that was what kind of made me get like even more into the scene. Was because there there wasn't any time to to process it as it was happening. It was just like no no like get out of there get out of there what's going on Why you just run, mm-hmm. and and run he did not. I know it's sad. All right, um, final thought. We've been talking about this movie for a while, which I mean, there's lots to talk about. Obviously, um, I you know the very like the, near the end of the movie we talked about spoilers a lot, but I, I'm not going to fully reveal everything. But near the end of the movie, he's in that bunker and he comes across the princess who's shown up every once in a while. And there's kind of that joke, like, if I let you out, can I get a kiss? And it's like, you let me out. Like, we can do more than kiss. And then he said, you know, he gets the call and he's like, oh, I have to go save the world. She stops him and is like, if you save the world, we can do it in the asshole. Which I think they thought that was going to be really funny, but nobody in my theater laughed. Like, maybe one guy chuckled on the back corner, you know, like the <laughs> creepy guy who's like, yes, do it. <laughs> Um, Do it in the butt. When I saw when I went and saw Hellblazer, the Keanu Reeves one, uh, there's like the scene where I, you know it's been so long, like where the girl has to um, get in like this tub of water or something, and she's like, "What should I undress first? And this really creepy guy in the front of the film and it just goes, "Yes." <laughs> uh, anyway, so there's that. And then he goes off and he does this thing and he comes back and he gets inside like where her cell is they close the door in the last shot of the movie and i realize there's a little scene like once the credits start um but the last shot of the movie is you know him looking through his glasses and it shows like her her butt and we all know what's about to happen uh and then 
that was a terrible place to end it because people started getting up and getting ready to leave the film. Like, obviously, there's one more little scene, and that last little scene is the scene that I wanted the movie to end on, where he goes back home and confronts his dick stepfather. That's the yeah. scene that you want. They, but... they should have... I, I, I don't necessarily mind if they kept the, the butt scene, but they, instead of starting to roll the credits, they should have just jumped Cut to, to the other scene. Sort of like, ah, you know, the spoils of victory, and then, oh, wait... This 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 scene kind of um, personifies everything that's changed about Exy mm -hmm. for the whole film, like him basically taking on the role of Galahad. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think you're right. That is definitely as far as thematically for the movie, it's the right ending, mm -hmm. and it should have been at least added on just after the butt scene instead of um, feeling like an afterthought. Well, yeah, and it, exactly. And and here's how here's how I felt. It it could have been handled where. It would have been a funnier sequence uh, where, you know, before he, she, like, he runs off and she says, if you come, you know, if you save the world, we can do it in the asshole. If she said, if you save the world, we can do anything you want, anything. And then, like, have the last thing be where he opens the door and then he goes inside and then you cut to the scene in the bar. Like, the door closing, cut to the scene in the bar. It's like, we didn't need the shot of the butt. Like, that's, an, I don't know. I feel like they thought, like, that's going to be the punchline of the whole film and it just didn't. The butt work, scene. The butt scene. But, all right, we have talked quite a bit about this, which, uh, you know, whatever. But, uh, what, it's all what, good. You know, the, there's a lot of comics that came out this week. Lots of comics. What, uh, what, what's, what's on your mind? What did you read that, uh, that oh, stuck man, out to you? Know, I, um, uh, I read Rumble. I know you did, too. Ah, so good. Uh, it's, it's definitely growing, uh, on me. It's, the, the art is fantastic. Um, the story, like you, you, definitely get a bigger sense of the 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 mythology mm -hmm. around the whole world. Um, so it definitely, I think this is the issue where, you know, if you weren't quite understood, like if you if the the sort of vagueness of the first issue, you know, uh, wasn't doing it for you, like at least read until issue three and then make a decision, because uh, it's definitely the third issue is kind of cemented that like I, I definitely want to see this world continue to grow. Mm -hmm. Um, you get, you get some backstory on, on Rat Trap, Rothrock. <laughs> Rothrock, Rat Trap. Uh, I like a lot of like the the characters that are probably they, they seem very personable. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like like his his sort of like his his fat bald friend. Um, he was he was hilarious in this. Like, wait a minute, I gotta go get movie snacks <laughs> in the middle of a story. Uh, um, the what was it? Just the, I mean, the dialogue is great. But the the art really gives. It almost feels like you're watching like one of those old creepy like Disney films, you know, or like Dante's. But any animated film, um, like the, the 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 demon or the Asu that was reading um, Rathrak the scroll while mm -hmm. he was imprisoned, mm -hmm. you know, just there's such character on the face that like you you get yeah those like the, so the, much of his personality without having to read any dialogue yeah, the designs of those characters of the of the demons are just so great because they're goofy but they're still kind of creepy yeah where, like if they, you know if this was if they were a little more like detailed and realistic and there was blood dripping from their mouths like yes it'd be really creepy but they're painted as so incompetent and kind of stupid and it's just really it's like they're really well designed and really funny characters I like it. And I'm curious, like, so the, the bartender whose name I'm blanking on right now. The main, uh, like the main character. The, the main, the main character for all intents and purposes. Um, I'm just wondering, 
what role, you know, what's their greater role here? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying it has to be a typical, you know, kind of like coming of age or, you know, coming into your, 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 your full potential. Well, and I like but, that. I like that. It's not like he's prophesied as the one, you know, cause that seems kind of like what this book would do. It's like, you're supposed to take over the sword and be this great warrior. Instead. It's like, he's just an average guy who got tossed into this crap. Yeah. It'll be, I'm just curious. I, I'm really curious to see what's, I feel like the, the end point could be kind of typical where it's like, all right, he regains his body and he defeats the Esu again or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say one one thing issue I had was that they ended the last issue with the firefight mm-hmm. and then com- essentially just wrote it off off panel. No, no, no. It, Saying, didn't, it didn't end with the firefight. It ended with him showing up at his door. What? Yeah. That's the whole reason that they're at like the apartment. No, the, the last issue ended with the um, Wrathrock facing down the the uh, the fire demon. I'm pulling out the issue right now. I was like, I'll, I'll go through my long box. It's right here. Oh, I, I got it right here. Yeah, the final page is Wrathrock on his on his butt um, facing down the fire demon. And then it cuts. And then obviously it cuts to his apartment in the third issue. And they and they say like, you saw how I handled the fire demon or whatever. I wanted to see the fire. I wanted to, I want, this is again, an example of show don't tell. I wanted to see why well, the think, fight went poorly. Like it's just one of those things where you, I think it was you, more, I think it was more like he realized, Oh shit, I'm straw. That guy's made of fire. I'm just going to book it out of here. I don't know. I mean, for for me, it wasn't an issue. The conclusion is obvious. You can't win, but I mean it first, you know, that's the, that's, when you dangle someone over a shark pit, you don't jump to, you know, you don't cut to the next scene where they've suddenly miraculously gotten out of there. You know, you, you, again, you want to show the struggle he's going to face having to fight something that's too powerful for him to deal with. Well, that's so far we've seen Rathrak being really successful at everything he does, even in scarecrow form. This fire demon is anything is the first real weakness that they've exposed and instead of seeing it, we get an afterthought where it's like, we don't know if the fire demon was destroyed, if they well, ran no, no, away. No, no, he wasn't destroyed because the whole thing was that his fat bald friend was spraying him down with fire retardant so that he could go face the fire demon. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, now I remember that. But still, no, I, 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 I want to at least see. I get what you're saying. Like, it's weird that I remember the ending of the issue differently. Uh, I guess, like, I, I mean, I'm saying, like, for me it was just a natural logical conclusion of the, like the way that things went. Um, it, it, it was a creative choice and that's what they thought was the best way to, to progress the story. Mm-hmm. I, I would at least like to have seen like a page or two dedicated to it, but it is what it is. Um, still, uh, I'm really enjoying the book. I'm really excited to see where it goes. Yeah. I'm enjoying this book a lot more than I really thought I would when I first got into it. And that's an absolutely good thing. Like, I'm really looking forward to this book each month. Um, I'm really curious to see, you know, because the story, like, the story has this great mythological element to it, but it also has this really great comedy element to it. Like, it's, it's a really, it's a great merger of, of epic and, and comedy. Uh, and I'm, you know, you don't, and I don't know what's going to happen, like, which is great. Because, yes, you can assume eventually Rothrock's going to get his body back. That's kind of like the, you know, maybe the end point of the, of the story, but I don't think that's even going to be the end point. I think that might even be the beginning of something worse mm. that like, maybe there's part of their peace and part of like the, you know, the way everything ended was based on his body. And if he gets it back, then, you know, terrible stuff's going to happen. Also, 
the dog thing was super sad. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> of course it was sad. <laughs> oh. Um. <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to die. <laughs> well, you know, somebody will miss you. Somebody. Uh, let's see. I read Invincible, which you haven't been reading, so... You it's suck. true. Well, um, come on, man. There's so much stuff and, to read. And it's really good. Oh, st stop it. You read like a billion comic books a week. Just only read Invincible and you catch up in like three weeks. That's not even true. <clears throat> it, it's basically true. Um, uh, some some not uh, some things to note. Uh, this week was the final issue of She-Hulk. Uh, for now, in quotations, I guess. Um, it, honestly, it, it was a good book. It played with a lot of fringe elements, but it was always... I thought exquisitely drawn, entertaining, uh, and and breezy. Despite being a book about law, you know, being a lawyer and how that can very often get bogged down in just a miasma of jargon, uh, I felt Charles Soule handled the, the the legal aspects in an entertaining and compelling way, um, and it it didn't shy away from the fact that it was a superhero comic book. I mean, it didn't try to make people seem more modern like it, it like in the final issue they do a flashback to earlier in the marvel universe and they show like the the monica rambo uh captain marvel character in like full like pirate boots you know just like disco era glory mm -hmm. um you know where, whereas you'd assume that realistically given the current marvel time scale this is happening you know maybe you know three or four years ago right if if that you know um but it, like the particular character that the the like the, the villain or the conflict that it hinged on, I have zero affinity for, mm -hmm. and I wouldn't say I read it and was just like, wow, you know, like I can't believe it was that guy because I think everyone probably thought I can't believe it was that guy. Right. Um. But it it was an interesting finale, and I probably have to read it again to, um, maybe understand some of the deeper subtext that Charles Soule was trying to put in there. But at the end of the day. It was just a good quality book, and if it returns in some way uh, in the future, I would definitely check out a follow-up to it. Uh, another ending, in a sense, is the final issue of Brian Wood and Greg Smallwood's Moon Knight came what? out. What? That was, that's the last issue? It is. It's only six issues, and this oh, is issue 12. What? Who's taking over? Uh, Cullen Bunn, and I can't remember the artist. Dude, why do they keep doing this to me? Because, because... They, they, they basically have people come in for six-issue stints. Oh, it was so good. And the final issue was really good. I would say, I mean, if you're looking for a final, you know, Kingsman-esque level epic battle, uh, it's not there. But if you're looking for... Well, no, but that, uh, that's what I really like about this book is how it's... Of how, like, insular subverted. it is. And I don't know, like, like, it's just really, really good stories about Moon Knight. And it's not necessarily, like, about, like the rest of the, you know, the rest of the Marvel universe. It's, it's that they're focusing very well on this, you know, small moment. It was very interesting. And even though it wasn't a big fight, there was still a lot of tension in it. And I'm really upset now that, that, <laughs> why didn't I know this? I'm oh, sorry. I thought you knew. No, you, I think you'll like the final issue. Um, I there's like a the lot of things issue. I that, just read it. That the, what? I read it. Oh, you did. Oh, yeah. I said that like, even though there wasn't a big fight, there was still like a lot of tension. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah, that's all you get. I know that Cullen Bunn, in some small ways, is probably going to pick up a couple details, you know, in the same way that um, Brian Wood did. Like with the doctor uh, From the stuff. previous run. Yeah, you know, like with the doctor. You know, he, he decided to follow up on who the doctor was. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know in what way. Um, I know that, and it, 
Moon Knight's um, uh, reputation is kind of tattered at the moment. Not that it's ever been really good. Right. But, I mean, he's obviously wanted by several government agencies and uh, stuff. But it, it was it was, was an interesting the... arc. Not quite where I thought it was going to go. The, the twist with the doctor, um, you know, definitely threw me... F- for a loop, but it was good. Uh, I it was entertaining, and I think it will not be appreciated for how good it is mm-hmm. in the moment. But it was good. Oh, maybe it will be. People seem to be really, really be on board with this book. Yeah, it. I mean, it's it's been doing well so far. It's lasted twelve issues, which and I think is pretty good for a Moon Knight book. It, it and it's gonna potentially last for another six issues. Fingers so, crossed, man. Fingers so crossed. fingers crossed. And then who knows? You know, I I like Cullen Bunn. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't read a ton of his stuff. Uh, I know that I, I don't want to use the word quality here because that obviously differs from reader to reader. Um, some of his stuff I find more appealing than others, like either his 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 execution of it, whether it's very superhero books that he writes or his creator owned stuff. Like he has a great creator owned series called The Sixth Gun, which eventually I'll catch oh, up man. on. Oh man, I have the first the I have the first volume. I've been meaning to read that. I didn't realize it's, it's good. I, I'm working through the second volume right now, and it's 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 it is good. Um, I've read other stuff. From him, where I, I don't know if it was his collaboration with the artist, because sometimes when you're, you know, when you're not like Bendis, you don't necessarily get to choose your artist. So sometimes you might have an idea, a certain visual for it. Maybe the artist mm-hmm. you get, you know, it, or just even personality-wise, not even like their their level of artistic merit might not create such a, you know, it's not a Grant Morrison, Frank Quietly collaboration or a, mm-hmm. you know, Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale collaboration. Um, you know, some some of the stuff I just simply haven't like enjoyed, enjoyed. But I think he's a good writer. So I'll definitely be checking out his Moon Knight run to see how he picks up the baton. You know, it's really funny because they announced this back in December, and I'm just now learning of it, uh, which <laughs> still still upset. But, hey, life goes on. And I'm going to give it a shot because I've really been enjoying this book. I had, like, a huge crisis when Warren Ellis said he was going to drop off. So I think I'm, I'm handling this one much better. It, it's helping. It's it's learning. It's teaching you how to get through crises in a quick see, su- uh, succession. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, I'm learning how to deal with life <laughs> through Marvel Knight. Comics. Yeah, Moon Knight. Uh, um, and my last uh, thing of note is for a beginning, uh, spinning the first book to spin out of Spider Verse is Silk Number One. Mm. Silk being a character that um, was met with a lot of derision, um, uh, or she was a polarizing character. Um, her origins, and, and a quick recap, is that she was bit by the same spider that bit Peter Parker, um, but mm-hmm. she was caught early on by a character named Ezekiel Sims, um, who's connected to the whole Morlun inheritors, like the things that they were just dealing with in Spider Verse. Also, which was dealt with in like the first run of Spider Man that I truly became endeared by. Um, one of the things that Ezekiel had offered to Peter in their original storyline was that he'd hide him in a bunker and he could stay there basically forever um, to avoid, you know, being killed by Morlin. Um, so he managed to find Silk, or Cindy Moon is her real name, first. Cindy Moon. Cindy Moon. Um, seems like a, a song that some musician who's, like, drugged out would I think that we've write. talked about it like a million Moon. times. Like, it sounds like the stereotypical, like, oh, man, that girl in the 70s, Cindy Moon. You know? Yeah, it does. It really does. And she kind of has that quality almost. Um Anyway, she was locked in a bunker for like ten plus years, and you know, as you Peter, are. you know, as as most people are, uh, and Peter Parker eventually uh, rescues her, which 
just sets off emotion, the Spider-Verse events. But now that that's all sort of more or less resolved, um, she returns to New York to resume a life that she's just getting back to. So, With you're, this... so you're telling me that this book is essentially the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which is the new Netflix show coming out, but with uh, Spider-Man characters. Maybe. I don't really know anything about that show. Right. Continue. Um, but she's a character that, and I have a lot of conversations with my friend Ben, who's a big Spider-Man freak, and um, he does not care for the character. Um, in, he doesn't like anything. Because... He what? Doesn't like, he doesn't like anything that's not Peter Parker. Let's just be honest here. He likes Miles Morales. Eh, okay, anyway. Um, she, like his arguments, so I'm actually going to use Ben's arguments as, as, to, as to kind of frame my counter-arguments. Um, her origin is direct, you know, she, to, to seem relevant, her origin is directly tied into Peter Parker's origin. That she's basically piggybacking on hmm. his origin. Whereas like Marvel, especially as you're, you know, a lot of books spinning out of, of Spider-Verse are, are female uh, Spider-like characters, which is fine. But in a, it, even within the 616 universe already, you have um, Anya Corazon, who's Spider-Girl. You have Spider-Woman. You have the the second Spider-Woman, who now became Madame Web. Mm-hmm. Okay, I realize it's like three people. Um, but they're, or, you know, their characters, they, they are obviously trying to trump up Spider-Woman right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a whole, these are, these are already existing female Spider characters um, that didn't need to piggyback on the direct origin of Peter Parker. But in this way, and, and maybe, and, and I'm not gonna. I personally am not gonna argue if I think it was a good or bad idea. Mm-hmm. Well, this time will tell. Uh, I can understand from Ben's perspective why he feels like this character is only relevant because of Peter Parker, which I guess you could say for any Spider character. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does kind of feel like you're. To him, it feels forced. Um, I will say that the overall execution of how they kind of get her established, not necessarily in this issue, but in the, the Spider-Man issues leading up to it, mm-hmm. were kind of hokey and forced. For instance, she was able to secure an internship at the uh, uh, a network called the Fact Channel, where J. Jonah Jameson, Jameson now works, um, despite, you know, again, being in a bunker for 10 plus years. Uh, presumably someone, and I think they mentioned it, but I don't remember, you know, falsified her documents so that she would seem appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess is as good as any any way to to get um, uh, you know into some kind of job. I guess in a lot of ways, it, it really is going to come down to the execution. You're dealing with ideas that, if it had played out in the real world, would be very very tricky to navigate. Mm-hmm. So when you kind of play it off or 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 underwrite it, it it can seem incredibly forced to people where this issue shines. And uh, just as it's written by Robbie Thompson and drawn by Stacy Lee, uh, not I haven't read or, or seen any of their work before. Robbie Thompson is a writer on the supernatural TV show. Okay. Uh, Stacy Lee. I'm not sure where she was discovered from, but I do like her art. Um, oh my God. I just had a brain fart <laughs> uh, where the issue shines. Uh, is when they, they, they tap into her past and they, and they kind of show you how she was prior to being locked in the bunker. Mm-hmm. You kind of meet her family. You get sort of a, you get a, a sort of a, oh, I hate my parents because they're trying to control me scene, but it was done really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a little scene with her brother, and then it, what it really does is, is help you see 
you're building an emotional foundation. What you didn't get to see in her previous appearances is it's building an emotional foundation for how much it really does suck to be locked in a bunker for 10 years. <laughs> you know, they, they, and occasionally they, they mention like, oh, because I was locked in a bunker, I don't really have strong people skills. You mm-hmm. know, she clearly has enough. She, she, she has enough. I think she has more people's skills than someone who was probably locked in a bumper bunker for 10 years probably would have. Well, it's, 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 it's one of her spider powers. Yeah. People skills. Um, but I, I, I just, it kind of like Kingsman. It feels like a lot of her, her progress up until now from being released in the bunker to sort of being an established Marvel character was truncated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going to be the word of the show truncated. Um, you know, she basically comes out of there and is just like, you know, ready to stretch and just punch whatever villain comes around. And it's funny reading a book like this in light of Civil War, which, you know, was obviously several years ago. But being like the arguments there about untrained, unregulated superheroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here we have a character that's just like that, you know, like, despite maybe like doing Pilates inside of a, a bunker doesn't necessarily have a lot of skills when it comes well, to comic. What time is well, Peter but, Parker? Yeah, I was going to say, Peter Parker, when he first started, it was just all, suddenly I have the strength and agility and the spidey sense. So, And so in a lot of ways, Silk is very much the spiritual successor to Peter Parker in that way. Uh, if I could, yeah, maybe, you know, and obviously I got into Spider-Man as a kid. As an adult, I accept Spider-Man for, you know, where he started and that he got lucky. And I realize I'm thinking way too hard about this. But in reality, what Peter Parker did was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I'm kind of reading and being like, Silk, no, you're not trained enough. Who cares if you have like a precognitive spider or something sense? Another weird thing is that instead of her having mechanical web shooters, she's able to create her webs through her fingers, which is something that various weird. incarnations of Spider-Man has done. But they literally have it to the point where she actually unravels her costume from her fingers. Like, her costume is actually made from her, her own innate spider webs. Okay. Now, they did that. When she first appeared, she just had, like, a white webbing suit that she just, like, like put on herself. Mm-hmm. And I thought the costume she made, when she decided to actually have more of a look, was, like, a suit that she designed or something. Like, she, she came up with it very quickly. But it, it's not actually my favorite. I like the body of it. I don't like the fact that she just has, like, a basically a scarf that okay. covers her mouth. I just, I just think that's stupid. Uh-huh. Um, but it turns out that the costume actually comes from her, her, her hands. Okay. Which and is, which is weird. Any other thoughts quickly on nope. silk? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. I just that kind of petered out there. Uh, all right. Well, as far as what I read, um, obviously read Rumble. Dude, I don't care what you read. No one likes you. Uh, I read uh, Batman and Robin which that, you know, we could have a whole lot of discussion on that. We've talked a lot about it. I don't think we have any fresh thoughts necessarily on it. So I love the artwork. The artwork is really great. There was one panel in this one uh, that was like a close-up on Damien's face that I didn't love. I'm excited for the next issue. I like that Damien's going out with the Justice League. This is what I wanted out of this storyline. I'd also read Autumnlands, which continuing uh, is a fantastic book. It's really, really great. The, 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 uh, the writing and art's really good. I'm really curious to see uh, which you know which way it's going uh, because I, I kind of called the first big reveal on who like the champion was going to be or what the champion was going to be, I should say. And now, 
now it's just kind of a where are we going to go next the champion is here people still don't necessarily trust him even though he keeps saving everybody again and again and it's just you have these people who are basically like these aristocrats who are living in this city in the sky who are now crashed down on the land and you know at the first night they're lighting fires and they're having a party when the champion appears because everything's so great and they get attacked by giant bat people because they're idiots um and then you know you have like the the champion who no one really trusts but he's also out putting these plans together on how to save everyone uh meanwhile you have this shifty unfortunately it's a coyote because that's kind of racist uh you have this like shifty coyote who seems to be playing kind of both sides of the fence here where she's helping out you know the people who crashed and then the people who are already on the planet who hate the people who crashed and want to kill them and eventually you know she's going to get like found out or she's part of some bigger organization who knows this is could all go like super crazy um anyway i still think it's a really great book i'm just rambling crazy about it because i have something else i want to talk about um uh autumn lands check it out i want to talk real quick about rocket raccoon Sure. Which is a ahead. which is a book that I, I mentioned. I picked up the first issue probably back when it came out, uh, and I'm still picking it up to this day. And I don't know now if I'm going to continue on with it. Um, actually, I meant to check this. I meant to see uh, who if if the artist for who the artist for number nine was going to be. Sorry, I know this is super great. Me googling something in the middle of all right. Here we go. Um, because one of the one of the great things okay it's going to be jacob parker i don't know who that is um one of the great things about this book that i've really liked so far is that it's really had this feel of a, a saturday morning cartoon you know scotty young scotty young's writing has been like fine but paired with his art has been really really great and it's been really fun um and it you know it's it's had this vibe of it's very it's very vibrant everything is is very just kind of wacky in the right sort of way and you know to to repeat the idea again like it really felt like a saturday morning cartoon that this is something that minus the language could have appeared easily on like nickelodeon or cartoon network in the 90s so for people our age and our generation is absolutely perfect mm -hmm. i think that was the major draw to it these last two issues uh have instead been uh illustrated by Felipe Andrade. Uh, yeah, Felipe Andrade. Which not, you know, his art is fine, but I think for Rocket Raccoon, it, it, with Scotty Young writing, and not to, you know, not to dismiss Scotty Young's writing, his writing is fine. It's not amazing. Um, it's just not what I was enjoying about this book. And that's really disappointing. Uh, the story was also okay. Like, they were, they were, they were having to save Groot. It just it wasn't a very it, it 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 was very quickly resolved with you know they they spent this one issue setting the whole thing up and you thought okay now they're going to go on like this adventure and then it's just over one issue later so it felt kind of like a, a stopgap um, mm -hmm. and then Nick dropped some stuff no I chair move okay and just. I don't know. It, it was just suddenly like suddenly the gears changed and it it felt even more like it for me because I read like four issues the other day and so i got through the scotty young stuff and then suddenly came upon um the philippe on andrade stuff and it just was suddenly you know we're going down like the highway we're fine and then hey let's turn onto this dirt road and and travel along that for a while um and at the end of it also what makes me not excited for this next storyline is at the end of it you have somebody who says Oh, like you know, you shouldn't have saved Groot because now that you saved Groot, like all of Earth is going to die. 
and why are we going to Earth? Like this whole story is about a space traveling raccoon, and you know him and his and his best tree buddy. And why you know we have a million Marvel books that take place on Earth. Why do we need to go there with something about somebody who is exclusively in space? Uh, I don't like. I might flip through it when I'm at my comic shop. I don't know if I'm going to pick it up. To be perfectly honest, it was, it's, a, it's a little. I'm a little disappointed with the way that it's been heading after having such just such, so much fun with it. Very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I only really read the first issue or two. It wasn't. I I could see why it would be enjoyable, but it wasn't quite yeah, my it, cup of tea. Mostly because I don't find anything humorous. Um, yeah, it's true. But, you are you you were programmed without love and without um, a sense of humor. It's so true. Um, but yeah. It was one of those books where I, I, I don't like being a doomsayer, but I kind of saw, I was like, Sky Young is not going to draw the whole thing. And I well, think that's, I, you know, people might still be enjoying it. And if they are, a hundred bucks to you. But, you know, I, I knew at least some of the, the steam of it was going to get sucked out. Well, I knew, uh, I knew he wasn't going to, you know, draw it forever. Obviously, it's a very difficult thing to, to write and write draw. And draw book, absolutely. And to, and to meet deadlines. But, you know, I hope that we would get it for a while. <clears throat> so I'm looking really quick at uh, Jake Parker's art. And it's it's pretty actually similar to Scotty Young's, so I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh, maybe it will be back online with what I want. We'll find out. Actually, I really like his art. It's interesting. Um, but anyway, we uh, we're just gonna go ahead and skip the the question for this week because we have a lot of news to talk about. Yes, we do. And before we get to that, though, uh, Nick, are you ready? For your no. quiz. Oh, God. Quizzes. That's right. Quizzes. Okay. Uh, and in this quiz, if you happen to fail, then all of your family will be whisked away under the sea where they will probably drown uh, if you fail the Aquaman quiz. Oh! Are you ready? Arnold Drake. That wasn't a question, but okay. Uh, the first question is, what comic did Aquaman first appear in? Um, most fun comics. Oh, so close! All, all fun comics. More fun comics. More fun. Okay, c come on, give it to me, man. I can't. I can't. No, what? More fun comics? That was so close. It was close. Oh man, it's really, really it sad for you. All right. Aside from being able to survive and adapt in water, um, and being able to control fish and his super strength, what? Power Oh, no, 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 sorry. I don't know why I wrote that like that. That was a terribly worded question. We're going to skip on to... Uh, we'll give you one easy one. What is what is Aquaman's full name? Um, Arthur Curry, but his, his uh, nope. Atlantean name is Orin. Well, I was looking for his middle name, too. Arthur... He has a middle name? Oh, my God. Um... Yeah, this is all hinging on the question, oh. too. Hold on. His, his middle name, his middle name is... Does he really have a middle name? He He's does. always gone by Arthur Curry. I had no maybe, idea. Maybe it's just the new 52 thing. I could just be screwing with uh, you. It's not Arthur Orin Curry? Oh, wait a second. Uh, wait, is this the same? No, never mind. No, Arthur Curry's correct. There's Arthur Joseph, <laughs> there's Arthur Joseph Curry. But I, I think that was the... The second Aquaman DC Comics superhero. Yeah. Uh, okay, I think you're, you're his name correct. Was. Okay, so you're one for one, because I'm not counting your most fun comics answer. Um, hmm. 
Let's see. Name me one of the two guys who created Aquaman. Um, I don't think it was Arnold Drake. For some reason, I really thought it was Arnold Drake. Nope. Um, Mort Wessinger. Right? Wow. Good job. Mort Wessinger is correct. I, 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 that. I don't know. I thought it was like Mort. I knew there was like two people involved. I don't remember who, who the heck did Arnold Drake could create if he created anyone. Hmm. I'm really like hung up on this Arnold Drake guy. Uh, well, didn't happen. Um, let's see. In the Trinity War event of the New Fifty Two, Aquaman's crime syndicate counterpart is named what? Uh, sea King. Man, I did. I did know that one. How? Oh, I don't like you getting answers. <laughs> Not, see, you've already passed this quiz. This is horrible for me. Yes. Uh, this is you've been nothing but a disappointment, Aquaman, which is what a lot of people have said to him throughout his life. Uh, let's see. I'll find something really hard just to throw you off here. Um. Okay. In the 1997 tangent comic one-shot Green Lantern, uh, who is Arthur Curry the son of? In the tangent universe? Mm -hmm. He's the son of... I have no idea. Captain Boomerang. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah, you're weird for knowing so much about Aquaman. <laughs> I like Aquaman. Yeah, now speaking of Aquaman, we now have the first photo of Jason Momoa as Aquaman. And he looks cool. Yeah, this is actually, this was, I guess, late last night slash this morning. Why do they like to do that? Okay, granted, we're on the East Coast, so, you know. Yeah, he did it at like one in the morning. I don't, yeah, this is this is weird. Like the Spider-Man thing. I mean, I realize it's on the, you know, well, the West Coast is probably having tons of fun at our expense. Mm -hmm. But... Um, you know, the Spider-Man thing was weird. I think that was they set that up to be released that day, and maybe nobody checked the clock on it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Um, so, given the fact that Jason Momoa was cast, it's totally, you know, the Aquaman I assume they were going for. Exotic, otherworldly, burly. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it, it looks cool. It does look really cool. Um, it I, I like that there's the uh, the thing over that says Unite the Seven. So that kind of gives you a idea of what Aquaman's, you know, purpose is. He's, obviously he's the king of the sea, but he's attempting that there's some struggle even beneath the waters of the seven seas that he's trying to, uh, you know, trying to gain control over. Um, he's, he's definitely, I mean, he's definitely, I don't know what the hell they're going to do. Um... <laughs> What strikes me is that, like, first off, this the, the upcoming Justice League. It's even Batman. This is not going to be anything like Avengers. It's going to be its own thing, and I applaud it for that. Mm -hmm. It's it is going to be grittier. DC seems to like the more gray tones. Well, you they're, know, they're trying to set themselves look. up. They're trying to set themselves apart from what Marvel has done, and that's you know exactly. that's perfectly fine. And, and that's and I realize it doesn't work for everyone. I would I would still enjoy seeing a more I don't want to say lighthearted for the sake of saying lighthearted, but a you know a, a brighter Justice League storyline. Yeah, if there was stuff that had a little bit more the, fun, and et cetera. 
this is going to be like Justice League meets Lord of the Rings in this. That's the vibe I'm getting. I mean, like you just look at uh, Aquaman. I mean, when you look at like orange scaly, like you know Aryan, you know blonde hair, blue eyed Aquaman, there's a certain. Um, he doesn't seem as intimidating, you know, the mm-hmm. way he's drawn most of the time. There's something very majestic, very re- regal, and very scary about Momoa Man. And um, I'm trying to, like, now I'm trying to, like, project on how, you know, like, the way that Wonder Woman's going to look. You know, mm-hmm. battle-ready. Uh, Superman and Batman, you know, ba- I don't know what the heck Batman's going to wear when facing down whatever threat they might face in Justice League. But, you know, I know when Batman v Superman, he's going to wear his bat armor um, at certain points. This is definitely going to be, this is like the Seven Samurai or something like, you know, going off to fight whatever alien invasion or something they end up fighting. But it's going to feel heavy and majestic and epic in scope. Mm-hmm. And Based purely off this. Like when you, when you see Unite the Seven, just something about that seems like that, that, that those words actually get me excited. Yeah, he... Like there's just the strength in the way that he's looking at the camera. There's just this strength in the in the character and in the picture, um, that you know that's kind of the reason everybody was like Cal Drogo is so awesome is because Jason Momoa is so awesome. Um, yeah, they they're really, you know, unfortunately Aquaman's become the butt of a million jokes, and I think, you know, like in the comics, people don't realize uh, that he really is really badass, and you know, sort of like in the '90s. That sort of changed when he had hook hand Aquaman, which like that's this costume minus the hook hand, and like even in his current run, he's been he's been pretty awesome, and people really liked what Jeff Johns did with him. So, I'm really excited that we're going to have an on screen representation of, you know, this guy who's just going to be like who's going to be really strong, and you don't want to like get in the way of because he doesn't need to make a shark eat you. He can just put his hand on your face and crush it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm really you know seeing this, it makes me excited for Batman v Superman even more. It makes me excited for Justice League. Makes me excited for the Aquaman solo film. Yeah, that's gonna be awesome. You know, to really open up and you know, because you're not gonna be able to explore it a whole lot in, um, the Justice League film. Mm -hmm. But this really gets me excited about where they're going to take. Like the just the, if anything, the Aquaman film is going to seem like a, an underwater Lord of the Rings, which would be an awesome way to do it. And I don't know why I keep using Lord of the Rings as the sort of the the standard for this kind of stuff, but you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, I mean, sure. Unite like, the Seven. Right, Unite the Seven. I would love if this was like a teaser thing, and that for the next seven days they're going to release promo photos of like Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, and all of that. Well, Unite. I mean. I think that they, this might be the start of something like that, but you, Unite the Seven, I think, more has to do with the Seven Seas rather than the Justice League. Oh, well, but the Justice League is always known as the, the Seven. Is it really? Yeah, you got Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Flash, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, but in this case, it's going to be Cyborg. Right, they go with the New 52 thing. Do you think... Do you think they're going to go with Hal Jordan again, or do you think they're going to go with John Stewart for Green Lantern? Okay, I think the smart thing would be John Stewart, because in the Justice League cartoon, you had John Stewart, uh, which I think a lot of those kids now 
are getting to be the age where you know they're going to be really excited for this movie. And if they see their Green Lantern, it'd be really cool. I think. Uh, I also think, you know, unfortunately, people still have the bitter taste of of Ryan Reynolds in their mouth, mm-hmm. and they don't want to revisit that anytime soon. Yeah, I don't. I don't see them using any elements from that particular film. Um, oh man, I mean, it's hard. Like you, everyone has a favorite Green Lantern. You know, whether it's Hal Jordan, Kyle Rayner, Guy Gardner. John nobody, Stewart, nobody's even... favorite is Guy Gardner. No, dude, Guy Gardner is awesome. What are you talking about? Aren't they all like different colors now? Uh, right now, they're all kind of operating. Uh, John Stewart and, and Hal Jordan are both Green Lantern, but right, Kyle Rayner is a White too. Lantern, and uh, Guy Gardner is a Red Lantern. Wait, wait, but... a, a White Lantern? I thought there was only one White Lantern. Sorry, he is the White Lantern. Hmm. Um, and that's basically as far as I know. I'll be interested to see how the Green Lantern books shake out post-convergence. Um, but, the, I don't know. The, it, Aquaman looks cool. I just I hate that we got to wait, like, basically a year now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think, year I think it comes out in March. I think it's, yeah, March late next year. Um, March 25th for Batman v Superman. Yeah, March 25th. Um, Batman v Superman, just just to all rolling on this universe. You know, after that, we're going to get like a film or two a year, but it's just ugh, it's driving me nuts. I know they're doing a good job of building up building up excitement. I'm 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 ready for it. Um, yeah, he looks really cool. He does look really cool, and I knew, like once you know, once like when the rumors were flying and when they cast him, like that was an absolutely like great choice, a great direction to go with the character. Mm-hmm. Despite whatever your thoughts are on Man of Steel and you know the haters out there, you can't deny that a Jason Momoa film where he is just a super crazy strong awesome, you know, like sea creature uh is not going to be like the best cuz it-, it will be and, and you know, and I to the people that you know are upset that Aquaman's not blonde haired, blue eyes. Like I, I get it. It's uh, to me at this point, it's become a case by case basis as far as like oh, but... changing the ethnicity or something of a character. It didn't necessarily. Aquaman came out at a time where everyone was going to be white. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and I guess you can also justify well because his you know his Atlantean mother slept with you know a white American or whatever that conceivably he would look. The way he does in the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes more sense, though, for him they, to look like this. To look like this. I get, you know, I guess someone could probably argue that they can look like whatever you want because you're the one making the story. Right, exactly. I like the idea of a more exotic-looking Aquaman. It, it, it makes him feel unique compared to the rest of the Justice League. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a Justice League, you're, you're going to have a white Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman. Um, if they make Green Lantern black with Aquaman being uh, sort of an Islander type... Mm-hmm. Um, and then Flash is going to be that guy. Well, Flash, um, Flash is Flash is one of the most interesting because I don't know the the kid they got to play the Flash does not look like anything that you would expect. And I wonder like if they're going to go with the blonde hair. I mean, Grant Gustin's not blonde. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Curious to see. Curious. I, to see. I, and the kid that they got to play the Flash. I, I haven't seen the movies he's in. I, I've been interested in a couple of the movies I know he's in. Mm-hmm. I. I, I can't speak to his acting, uh, and the, the Flash needs to be a lean guy. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm curious um, 
to see if he like bulks up at all because he seems pretty scrawny, which most run- runners tend to be scrawny, you know, right. in, in so many ways. Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller. Oh yeah, that's his name. But uh, I mean, at this point, yeah, you know, they made the, they made the choices they did for a reason, mm-hmm. and it doesn't necessarily mean that all of them are going to work out. But at this point, you know, whether it's like the Heath Ledger thing or you know any of the Marvel casting or, or anything like that, like. It, ultimately, we we have no control. Me getting up on a soapbox and saying this is what I think the Justice League should look like isn't, isn't going to matter. Anything. At this yeah. point, I can carry on with my life, do things I got to do, and when the movies come around, I can make my judgment then. Mm-hmm. And they have plenty of room and time to surprise me. Yeah, and you know, Marvel's over there swooping up all these big names, and I think that's starting to get a little bit of a detriment to them. They're also going to spend a lot of money paying for these big names to be in all these films together, which Disney money, you know. They're they're basically their own bank at this point. I get that. Basically, uh, but I, I like that we're getting DC kind of you know kind of saying like yeah you know we have a couple you know we have a couple big names over here, but really we're gonna go out and we're gonna find talent from other places and you know we're gonna we're gonna craft this Justice League the way that we want to craft it rather than like guys we got Benedict Cumberbatch the, inter- the internet's favorite person to play Doctor Strange how cool is that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited to see where, where they go, and as we get to see more, I would, you know, I would like to see if we did get a one picture a day of some of these different characters would be pretty rad. Because I'm sure, like right now, they're doing like the costume tests and like all that. Oh yeah, I they, I think they have the costumes for everyone more or less figured out. Because mm-hmm. uh, they, they not honestly for Batman v Superman, but because when does Justice League come out? Is that 2018. in 2017? It's 2018. Really? I think that's what's what in 2017. Like that. And some, uh, somewhere in all of this, we're supposed to get another Batman Superman film. Look, man. Uh, 2017. Sorry, 2017. That's my bad. It is okay. All right. Yeah. I'm gonna say like they definitely over the next year. Sorry, it's the know, solo solo Aquaman film is 2018. Oh, okay. Um, we're you know, we're definitely gonna see this get probably in the second half of this year. We're going to get, um. You we're probably going to know who Green Lantern is. We're going to know, you know, probably what the Flash looks like, things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Let's see. What other news? We'll just go ahead and uh, plow through the other casting news real quick. Uh, two big pieces came out this week. It's Cody Smith-McPhee cast as Nightcrawler in upcoming uh, X-Men Apocalypse. All right. Yep, haven't, for me. haven't seen him in blue makeup yet, so he's probably going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, I'll be curious to see if they go with the. I mean, it obviously it's still in kind of the same universe as the other films, maybe. So we don't know, like, if they're going to go with this, with the having him be the way that he was in X two. I imagine they will, as far as how he talks. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, hopefully he can perfect the German accent. Um, I I just hope. I mean. They obviously changed. They obviously wrote X X Men Three out of existence. Um, mm-hmm. But what about elements from the other less derided films? I mean, technically, Nightcrawler showed up in X Men Two, you know, and they had never met him before. Are we are are these younger characters going to meet young Nightcrawler? Is he going to have some sort of solo plot off to the side? Hmm. And if they are kind of all part of the same class or something like that, um, do we? I guess we just ignore. I think we just ignore X Men One Two at this point. Like this is supposed to be the end of the the first class trilogy, 
if they wanted to jump back to present day, they could recast everyone. And basically, if they're going to keep in the same universe as first class, and just they can basically do whatever they want. I still think they, they should just, after this film, they should just reboot the entire X-Men franchise. Probably. Just from the ground up, start fresh. No, we have to go, we have to go further back. We have to go to X-Babies. X-Babies. And, we, uh, we need to see what mutants were like in World War Two. Well, I mean, we kind of got with the Cold War stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, very cool. Good for him. Uh, other casting news. Marina Baccarin casts as the female lead in Deadpool. Um, for, you know, people who don't necessarily know who she is, she was uh, on Firefly. She was the companion, um, Anara. She was also on that short-lived V show. I say short-lived in the same breath that I'm talking about Firefly. Uh she is also the voice of Gideon on The Flash, I just recently discovered. Mm -hmm. And the crazy girl from that episode of High Met Your Mother, where uh, Barney was called Swartley. But, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the crazy girl. The crazy girl. So she's just been cast as the female lead, but we don't know what that means, because we don't know much about the film. Very cool to see some news about it, though. Um, I, I just hope they don't try to make a love story into Deadpool, because I think that would be a mistake. Yeah. That need yeah like maybe if there's one joke like she kind of like falls in love with him and like he kind of makes a big joke out of the whole thing that'd be fine but there's this whole romantic subplot where it's like I don't care what you look like or that you're ugly and full of cancer like because I do care we should care about those things when we fall in love with people <laughs> well I'm saying like that doesn't fit in a dare in a no dare no I know, I know I know I'm just playing with it but yeah Deadpool isn't necessarily a character that should have a a love trying a love story as a central plot unless it's part of the joke. Mm -hmm. Uh, agreed. Uh, Archie ends its uh, long time run with issue 666. <laughs> Bendis and Sorrentino to revive old man Logan. Uh, and first all female Avengers team in A Force. Wait, are we not going to talk about any of these news stories? I was just quickly going over. Oh, uh, I... <laughs> you thought I was just reading all the news stories? No, I want to yeah. talk about Bendis and Sorrentino doing old man Logan. That's so rad. What's rad about it, David? Well, I what's, mean, Bendis. So, uh, I mean, Bendis, you know, people like the Bendis. And obviously, I really loved Sorrentino in his uh, his run on Green Lantern. Are you sure he is a he or is he a she? It's did a he. Got confused been, one time. I did. And then, uh, remember, I looked it up and we discovered. And then I tweeted and I know, responded. I'm, I'm just and actually, um, you feel bad. Yeah, I know. You're, you're such a jerk. You're the living worst. Um, anyway, what I'm trying to say is that I'm pretty excited for this. Uh, Sorrentino tweeted out the other day that he just got his hands on the first script and, uh, quoted it and, and said that, um, it is the, the grittiest and darkest that we've ever seen, uh, Brian Michael Bendis. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can believe it. I mean, despite some of his crime books and stuff like that, this, this kind of... This is a, a platform that would allow him to like really be experimental as far as like violence and you know it's not like a a mob book which you know can get pretty dark and violent but it you know you can do some really ridiculous things and Old Man Logan is known for if anything ridiculousness. Mm -hmm. Now what I'm wondering is if uh, this is the Logan they're going to bring back to the present day because I would love that 
if the uh, like the you know at the end of because I still think the end of Secret Wars is going to be we somehow get a Logan back and we're just going to move on with our lives. But I think it'd be hilarious for this old man Logan, who's in this like current Marvel age where everything is bright and shiny, and he's just like I've seen some shit and like stabbing people to death. It it would be funny. Uh, I know that. Um... The, the weekly Wolverine series that's been going on, it looks like, at least according to Marvel's May solicits, it's going to end with issue 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, and supposedly somewhere in there, it's going to... Um, what am I trying to say? Uh, it's going to reveal that the, a new character will take up the Wolverine mantle. Yeah, I know that's what they're kind of talking about now, what they're hinting at. Uh, and my, my bet is um, X-23. But anyway, uh, you've talked about that. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be against X twenty three having more of a uh, a role of doing more of a thing. A know, thing. What's it and the who's it's the who's a what's it. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about uh let's talk about A Force. Marvel yes, let's. Marvel announces the uh the first all female Avengers team, A Force, led by uh She Hulk. Um, so, uh, it's, first off, I like the writer, G. Willow Wilson. Uh, she's been doing a great job on Miss Marvel. I've read some of her earlier work, like, with Vertigo. I've read a few of, like, the, her, from her book, Air. Um, she's incredibly competent in writing. Uh, she can get to the heart of characters. Um, at least with Miss Marvel, like, some of the plots aren't, I would say, are kind of typical. Mm-hmm. Like, not necessarily, I wouldn't say they're experienced, they're safe, but not, that's not necessarily a bad thing, for, especially for a book like Miss Marvel. Um, but, you know, we can, we could argue all day, I'm not saying that we, we would be in disagreement, but, um, you know, about like, oh, making a big deal about a whole, like a whole female team. And it's like, all right, well, but it you know, is a big deal. It's like, a, it's it, a big deal. It's a big deal in a good way. And, and exactly in a good way. And unfortunately for when, if if there were if 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 it was like fifty fifty or sixty like if there were more and there there every day there's more more female readers of comic books and mm-hmm. of superhero comic books and we might get to a point where something like announcing a book called A Force will just be like an announcement not like a like a a, a gender based announcement um, and but if you want to expand your market you got to let people know that hey there's stuff here that you would be you know, that you should come check out. So of course you're going to say a force, all female team. This is special because it is special. Mm-hmm. Now the ultimate quality of the book remains to be seen. Absolutely. It could be, it could be dreadful. It... I don't think it will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that it's launching out of, um, a secret wars and that it's actually going to at least start on this, uh, region of battle world where it's like all female characters. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, I, if depending on what the the Marvel universe looks like post Secret Wars, you know, I'm if the I'm assuming the book will continue and it will transition to something related to the world we know outside our window. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just all that's going to matter is are the characters in, that are included compelling and interesting? Are they going to be written compelling and interesting? And is the art not going to suck? I don't think they announced the artist on the book. Yeah, I'm not uh, seeing anything. I know, and, and I should say, it's not just oh, artist, by G. Willow well, Wilson. It's no, also artist, co-written by Margaret. Uh, Her, is it Jorge Molina? Oh, Jorge Molina, who is good. Definitely a good artist. So I, I would definitely check it out for the art. 
Um, now, but but here's, here's, here's an important thing. Here's what this book needs to be about. It needs to be about female superheroes fighting crime. It needs to not be about the fact that this is an all-female superhero team. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it need, like, if this is just like, hey, we've assembled a team of, of, of like, females and we're going to go, you know, we're going to go fight this, you know, attack in Japan. Totally great. Totally cool. That's what I want out of this book. If it's just, if the book is them walking around and, you know, men in stuffy suits being like, you can't have an all-female superhero team. And they're like, yes, we can. And then they form an all-female superhero team. It's like, okay, that's, you know, that's cool. You just wasted a bunch of time. It's like, just have it be about what it's supposed to be about. Exactly. Superheroes being superheroes, mm-hmm. they just happen to be all female. And that's, you know, because ultimately that's the perception we've always taken with either majority or all male superhero teams. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, of course, us sort of just kind of seeing that as the norm because it, it has been more or less. Mm-hmm. You know, so we've let the, like, the, let the big controversy come out in the announcements. And then, like I said, it only is going to come down to the execution. The execution, this is just a team that has a whole bunch of females. Don't try to justify it. Don't try to overcomplicate why they assembled. They're just they're just assembled. They, in this case, they're coming out of Battle World, so they're kind of it's kind of a unique premise where they're already existing in a region of all female characters. Mm-hmm. You know, but if if Which it continues, good, I think it's a good if way it to kind of it. if it kind of does a soft reset when they return to the normal universe and kind of have to in, are kind of operating in a real world basis, like don't feel like you like the women shouldn't have to justify themselves to the world. Don't justify the team to the world. Just go out and kick some ass. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you and I are obviously the, the best ones qualified to have this sort of discussion. Yes. <laughs> what do you, like, what do you think? What do you think the, like, what do you think the backlash would be if Marvel came out and they said, Oh guys, we're going to keep the regular, you know, we're going to keep the regular Avengers team that has a few females on it, but off to the side, we're also going to have, uh, just the, this all male team. Like, this is kind of our cool little thing. We're just going to have an all-male team off to the side. Like, don't you think there would be, like, weird... And, like, okay, obviously I shouldn't even open this can of worms because... <laughs> you just did. Keep going. I know. <laughs> like, why, you know, like, why Why did I do that, David? That's horrible. Go back in time and stop yourself. I don't know. Like, it's... Yes, it is totally, like, a, a very cool thing to announce. It's just, like, do, are people going to freak out if one day A-Force suddenly has a male member? Like, if, you know, for some reason Spider-Man joins A-Force... Oh. Is that going to, like, ruin the thing of it? Like, it obviously, it wasn't, you know, I haven't read the old Avengers comics, but I feel like Avengers wasn't ruined the second that a woman joined it. Yeah, you know, which, you know, what's in the first issue. Mm-hmm. I agree with what you're saying. And it's definitely, if we're talking, like, gender politics, not, like, politics in the literal sense, but kind of in, like, the public perception sphere, like, the social media sense, mm-hmm. um, there's going to be a, a percentage of people that are probably going to get upset no matter what either because they're defending the exclusivity of just an all-female team and that introducing any males in a, a full-time official capacity mm-hmm. um, diminishes like the, the purpose of the book. But at the same time, I think if you're talking, and I'm not, I don't want to say that those are unreasonable females, um, but if you're talking to any reasonable person, what they would say that one of the things that could be detrimental to the book is you know, that I, I think they did announce which characters are going to kind of play a central role. Like they, on the cover, they show every like female character they could possibly find. Yeah, um, they really did. And I don't think I, I think some of the, at least for the Battle World segment, we'll probably see a lot of these characters uh, either in central roles or in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, yeah, you don't want to just re- release a book that's just to include every female everywhere. Mm-hmm. You want it to be 
you know, you want to just have a cast of female characters that you pick that, that because their personalities are going to work well or their power sets are going to be interesting to explore, but mm-hmm. not just be like, this is the book where all the females can join in and, and there's your book. Now be happy and, and, and leave us alone. Yeah, I, I want this to be, <clears throat> don't get me wrong, it's, it's cool the way they're doing this. I want this to be a, a superhero book first comprised of all females and then like like yeah the women empowerment stuff uh, you know what i'm saying like 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 you're saying like make it make sense just make it work don't just make it you know everybody ever who's a female is gonna be in on this because they're a female yeah exactly it's you just hopefully they just get the the it's, widest range of people to be interested i, I want them to get well, males it's, it's, and females it, and everyone into it right it's, it's, it's like it's like how i don't want i don't just want everybody on the avengers because they're a superhero yeah. Like, regardless of gender, it's like if you're going to, you know, you, like it makes no sense to have, um, well, I can't think of any ridiculous, I mean, there's plenty of ridiculous Marvel characters, Matter Eater lads. Over Forbish DC, man. So, yeah. Like, I, you know, I don't want, I don't want the guy who can uh, shoot fireworks out of his fingertips to necessarily be there because he's a superhero. It's like I want him to be there because it would make sense. And for some reason they need that power set. For the, exactly. for, the, for the Avengers the context. If, if you can come up with a compelling reason why a character who maybe isn't historically associated with the team uh, to to include them to mm-hmm. kind of you know because people change their mind people go through life changes so even if you are always doing X this whole time you could find a reason why they could be convinced to do Y mm-hmm. um, but like I said at the end of the day I'm definitely going to be checking out A-Force I, as long as it's executed well, that goes for any book that ever gets released, mm-hmm. male, female, whatever. Yeah, I don't just, check. Just be a good book. I don't check out a lot of Marvel. That's just you know not where I necessarily hang my hat. But I'm fully in support of it, and I really, I really do hope that it's good. Um, and I hope that you know we get to see other really cool stuff like this. And I think you'll like it even more because the co-writer Marguerite Bennett is a former student of Scott Snyder's. Well, now I'm in. If <laughs> if she's the student of a man. Then that obviously means there will be quality to this. <laughs> not to say, not that because Scott Snyder is a man, but because I know you no, like Scott Snyder's writing. I, I know you're Scott Snyder, but I know uh, for for listener clarification, <laughs> we're not horrible, horrible misogynists. <laughs> we're just light part-time misogynists. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, man, I I think that's it. Um. Oh well. We oh we kind of skipped over Matt Wagner's reviving the spirit. Oh, eh, he's a man. Forget about him. <laughs> I know. After that discussion. Uh, no, this is really interesting because uh, the spirit is one of those characters who just every few years crops back up, which, which is great. And, and if you know Matt Wagner is the kind of guy where I don't know. Did you ever read his Batman books, the the Monster Man and the Mad Monk? There's two separate miniseries. If you haven't, I know I have the single issues. I kind of want to pick it up in collected edition, or maybe I no, I didn't. But it's. Um, they're very, very good. I haven't read a ton of Matt Wagner stuff. I know he's known for like his creator-owned character, the Grendel. Mm-hmm. Um, Has he? But but he is he still writing Grendel? I, I think it comes out every once in a while, just kind of like in specials and stuff. Okay, so, um, it's still it's still considered quote unquote ongoing. I think so. Yeah, there's no. I don't think there's any closure to it. Uh, mm-hmm. He's also known for a book called Mage that I think I have the first volume for, but I haven't read it yet. Um, it, it, from his from his Batman books alone, I I enjoy. Him. I also got to meet him, and this was when I was like trying to get every artist I could find to draw me like a Star Lord sketch. Mm-hmm. So I go up to his table, and I'm like, I was like, oh, like I, I think he he was he was doing them for free, which is great because I'm broke and I can't afford you know <laughs> some of the the prices that artists charge for sketches. Um, 
and I was just like, oh, you know, could you? He's like, what character do you want? You know, do you want me to draw? And I was like, oh, can you draw Star Lord? And I show him a picture and like the really complicated, detailed mask and all of that. And he was like, um, how about just a Batman? And then he just drew a Batman really quickly and and handed it over. And I was nice. like, awesome. <laughs> um, uh, I I'd be curious. You know, I. So he's he's definitely known for sort of like he did Green Hornet Year One, Zorro, Zorro Rides Again. Like he's known for sort of these characters that have that have had their popularity, but are not. He, he can he can tackle a pulp era character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's a good way. That's a good way of saying it. Um, um, I really I, liked I really liked the spirit. Uh, I think I've talked about First Wave a few times. He was featured pretty prominently in First Wave, so that was kind of my introduction to it. I like the character. It's interesting. The movie I, the movie sucked, but. I have um I was kind of sort of watching it the other day uh just like in the back I didn't finish I didn't even get like past 20 minutes of it but I actually have and I need to finish like read the whole thing Darwin Cook kind of in the same boat as Matt Wagner um is kind of known for for tackling more of nostalgic sensibilities and he had a run on the spirit from DC mm-hmm. uh, when DC had the rights to the character um and it was I remember being very well received definitely in the I don't know how He's not drawing it. I don't know if they announced who's drawing the they spirit. They haven't. They haven't yet. Um, you know, so I don't know. I'll always um, Darwin Cook's version of the spirit was more of a, a celebration of Will Eisner's art style as much of the character because mm-hmm. Will Eisner made some interesting choices artistically <laughs> um, that you know many people are inspired by still today. Mm-hmm. Um, this, it, I, I I will keep my eyes out for this particular spirit book. That's kind of my final word on it. Well, okay. No, no, it's it's. I mean, we're going to find out more uh, closer to Comic Con, it seems, and this is part of the character's seventy fifth anniversary celebration. Is why they're doing it. That's crazy. Seventy five years. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's part of why he was sort of part of the first wave stuff, because him and Batman were in that same era. Uh, but you know, very, very cool, very cool stuff. Let's uh, let's move on now to our recommendations. Uh, oh man, what did I want to recommend? Um, I thought I had something. What was what was I reading? A lot of I don't have a recommendation. What? Um, actually, well, I no pull something out of like something you read this week. Then come on. That's what, well, um, I actually would, I, I mentioned Silk a little bit earlier, and by a little bit, I mean a lot of bit, so I won't go on very long, but I'll just mm-hmm. say the the creative team gets merits for taking a character that kind of came onto the scene a little clunkily, clunkily? is that, that's not even a word, um, <laughs> clumsily, um, and I, I can see it being, I don't know how much traction the book is going to get, but I can see the promise of someone who kind of took I don't want to say it's a bad egg, but, you know, not necessarily, a, you know, everyone's favorite egg and could make something really good at it. So if you enjoy kind of whimsy, cartoonish artwork from Stacey, you know, uh, for Stacey Lee and you want uh, a writer that, you know, and maybe he's developed this from his years of writing television, um, but he he makes it feel episodic. Uh, he makes it, you know, he, he gives you kind of like the here's the fight scene and then here's kind of the, like he, he establishes things very well and he helps start to build an emotional foundation for a character that I, I don't know how many people liked going in. Um, I definitely want to follow the book a little bit more, but I mean, if you're looking to support strong, you know, female outings, uh, this first issue I thought was enjoyable. So check it out. Very cool. 
Very cool. Silk, folks, look for it. My recommendation is also from something that we talked about earlier to quite some extent. I am going to recommend uh, Kingsman Secret Service. If you were kind of on the fence of seeing it or you didn't know if you were going to see it, I definitely say go see it. I enjoyed it. I think that people will have a lot of fun. If you like action movies, if you like James Bond, especially the older James Bond films, this is really going to be a good one for you. Uh, we've, you know, just to reiterate some things that we've said before, there's some really strong acting, some really, really great action. It's funny. It's clever. Uh, I, I, I want to see where they would take this as a, um, as a franchise, I, you know, there's sort of especially the, when you think about the the consequences of what happened by the end of the movie. Yes, that was like, part of the thing. Like, I want, I'm wondering, would they address that? How where are they going to go from there? Like that, you know, like that's kind of the issue of escalation. But mm-hmm. yeah, not to get back onto the discussion that we've already had, but I definitely was thinking about that earlier. Like, what? How would the world recover from that? How, you know, how would people like people would be burning their cellular devices in mass? Yeah, um, and I just kind of feel like you know if the move next movie comes out, we're just not going to talk about it. We're just going to move on into the next adventure. <laughs> I, I know I could totally see that happening. Yeah, uh, which is you know fine, whatever. But I really enjoyed it. I think you'll really enjoy it, and I think that this could be a, a start to something really fun. Uh, even even though Colin Firth will no longer be part of it, God God rest his soul. Uh, Kingsman, The Secret Service. And I think that's going to wrap things up for us. Nick, any other things you want to say? Any final thoughts? No, that's all I got. Oh, great. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Well. A guy with opinions, huh? Yep. Yep. Uh, so, uh, per usual rundown stuff, you can find more about the show at heckyeahcomics.com. You can find us on Twitter at heckyeahcomics. You can, of course, email us with your thoughts on any of the news stories or any of the stuff we've talked about at heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at davluz, and you can find Nick uh, attempting to assemble an all-female team uh, of his own. I don't know. I had nothing prepared. Uh... Uh, what, what else? Oh yeah, of course, if you enjoyed the show, then please tell your friends, and if you hated it, then please tell your enemies, and until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Worst episode ever.